Testing, testing, tardigrade, tardigrade. Hi, hi everyone. This is Mike Wong, host of Strange New Worlds, here with a special Thanksgiving-themed episode. My computer recently broke, so I'm recording this on a computer that I've borrowed, a computer that is uh, significantly older and slower and does not have any of the software that I'm used to dealing with when creating podcasts. So this is going to be nothing fancy, just a straight recording, no cuts, edits, music, anything like that. Um, it's just going to be me talking about tryptophan. But first, uh, in the spirit of Thanksgiving, I just want to extend the warmest thank you from the bottom of my heart to all of the Strange New Worlds listeners across the globe. It's been such a fun ride the past, what, almost year and a half now, um, talking about science and Star Trek and hearing all of the amazing feedback that listeners have had for me. And it, it really warms my heart to know that I'm reaching people in different corners of the world and inspiring them um, to think in a different way about Star Trek and to learn more about the cosmos that we all share. And of course, this show wouldn't be possible without all of the amazing guests that join me on a week-to-week basis. So thank you to all of you. Unfortunately, I don't have a guest today. It's just going to be me. And we're going to talk about Thanksgiving turkey. So there is a common misconception Um, that Thanksgiving turkey makes you drowsy or sleepy because of a chemical inside of it called tryptophan. Um, And I've heard of this, and I did some reading online, and it turns out that, according to what I've read, um, tryptophan is not the cause for your Thanksgiving drowsiness. Um, And indeed... Most meats contain about as much tryptophan as does turkey. So it's not like turkey is, you know, swelling with tryptophan. What is tryptophan actually? So tryptophan is an amino acid, okay? And life is full of amino acids. Life builds its proteins, which do all of the interesting functionality of life at the uh, molecular level. Um, well, I shouldn't say all, but most of it, right? Proteins are the things that catalyze reactions that uh, drive life into existence, that build up your biomolecules, that read your DNA, that uh, help with so many aspects of the process of what we call life. Anyway, so life uses proteins as it's like workhorses and uh, proteins are made out of amino acids. And it turns out that life only uses about 20 different amino acids. And there are many, many, many more possible amino acids and amino acids that are generated in nature. Amino acid is just a class of organic molecule. And we only use 20, which is highly specific. Uh, And tryptophan is one of them. So, I mean, it's no surprise that turkey meat, which, you know, used to be a living thing too, contains tryptophan. Okay, okay. Um, So the theories are that what really makes you sleepy after your Thanksgiving meal is that you tend to also eat a lot of carbohydrates at Thanksgiving. And 
I don't know if this comes in the form of bread for you or 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 or, or something else. Um, maybe mac and cheese or uh, in my family because because we're Asian we also have rice at Thanksgiving um, so yeah you just tend to stuff yourself with a lot of things and a lot of that happens to not just be meat but also carbohydrates and it's it's thought that it's actually those carbohydrates that make you very sleepy and in order to explain this more I would need to probably interview a dietitian like my brother um, so maybe we can do a future episode on diets and how they make you sleepy um, and somehow tie that back to Star Trek. But uh, the reason why I wanted to bring up tryptophan today was not actually to talk about turkey. It was just a interesting thing that, you know, tryptophan and turkey, Thanksgiving, it all sort of comes together. But I recently read a paper, uh, a scientific journal article that came out in the journal Nature, one of the most prestigious journals, about finding tryptophan deep below the bottom of the ocean. Okay, so why is that interesting? Is it is it inducing sleepiness on critters that live at the bottom of the ocean? No. Uh, once again, tryptophan doesn't actually make you sleepy. Um, but why is this important? It's because it is, for the first time, a, an abiotic system that seems to be generating tryptophan. Okay, so what does that mean? That means that this tryptophan wasn't generated by life. And life covers this globe, okay? So it's hard to find a place that's actually separate from life, that hasn't really been influenced by the presence of life, because life is just everywhere. Um, and to find a component of life being generated somewhere where life really hasn't touched is interesting, because it gives us a clue at the processes that may have been relevant for the origin of life before life ever began on Earth. So if you go back to an episode of Strange New Worlds called Q's Little Pond of Goo, and oh my goodness, I have forgotten the actual um, episode number, so let me do this, Strange New Worlds. I'm literally just Googling my own podcast right now. Um, and what do you know? Strange New Worlds is the name of a lot of things in Star Trek that isn't my podcast. Uh, and I, I knew this. The Strange New World books, Strange New World uh, anthologies of short stories, of course, of course. Okay, so Strange New World podcast. Uh, I'm glad that... Okay, there we go. Strange New Worlds, a science and Star Trek podcast. That looks interesting. Maybe I should click on that. Okay. Okay. Episode 32. <laughs> episode 32 is called Q's Little Pond of Goo. And in that episode, you can hear me and Elise Cuts talk all about different theories for the emergence of life on Earth and what that those different theories mean for the emergence of life on other planetary bodies elsewhere. Okay. So, um, so the way this ties into that podcast, and I know I'm just jumping around everywhere here because I really don't have a plan today, um, but the way this ties into that podcast is that we talked for a long time about the theory for the emergence of life at hydrothermal vents on the bottom of the ocean, okay? And these particular hydrothermal vents are driven by serpentinization that's a, a reaction a chemical reaction between water and rock at the bottom of the ocean that creates these magnificent colossal structures with 
tiny little mineral vesicles which could have housed the first living forms here on Earth nearly four billion years ago. And we've found these types of vents very recently on Earth. Most of the ocean floor actually hasn't really been uncovered yet or, or explored yet. Uh, I think more people have been to the surface of the moon than have been to the bottom of the ocean, which is kind of crazy. Um, so it really is a strange new world down there. And so um, these hydrothermal vents that are driven by serpentinization weren't discovered until like 2000 or 2001. And uh, this was done by a group of oceanographers at the University of Washington, where I'm now at. And, uh, and so that's really exciting. Um, uh, and so we found these hydrothermal vents that may be analogs of the hydrothermal vents that sparked life. And that's where this tryptophan was found, which is really interesting. Okay, the tryptophan was found on an oceanography expedition where they drilled 173 meters below the crust at one of these hydrothermal sites. Okay, called Lost City. So you can Google Lost City Hydrothermal Field and you'll see these beautiful pictures of these hydrothermal vents. Well, if you go 173 meters below that and you drill and you bring that stuff back up, all of a sudden you see the signs of tryptophan. Uh, how do you see the signs of tryptophan? Well, by really, really clever method. Okay, it's called, and this is a mouthful, Synchrotron coupled deep ultraviolet microspectroscopy looking for UV fluorescence. That's basically really technical jargon for let's shine some light at this thing and watch as it glows back at us. And the glowing of stuff back at us tells us what that thing is. And so through this technique, we found tryptophan in these cores of rock from a hydrothermal system 173 meters below the ocean floor. And what's more is that we don't see signs of organic molecules that are indicative of life being present there. Okay, so tryptophan is um, a molecule that you find in life. But if life were there, you would not just find tryptophan, but you would find all sorts of other biological molecules uh, at that site. And we don't see that. We just see tryptophan. And it's thought that this tryptophan is forming within the clay layers and the clay structures that are in that, in, in that rock. And so this speaks, again, to a clue about the origin of life. Maybe one of the ways that you should uh, think of constructing the first organic molecules that were relevant for life is through interactions with the clays and the rocks and the minerals on Earth, too. Um, so this plays into the whole theme. You know, we are children of our planet, every part of our planet, not just the air and the ocean, but the rocks, too. And that's really profound to me, to, to, to realize that and to think, wow, you know, we, 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 the, the entire Earth, it took the entire Earth to make us. We are a planetary process. Anyway, so that's a really cool paper that I read. If, if you want, you can uh, read it, uh, Nature uh, by 
authors uh, Menez and colleagues, 2018. Menez, M-E-N-E-Z. Okay, so that was a long-winded story about tryptophan uh, that's somewhat tied into your Thanksgiving dinner and that very tangentially tied into Q's Little Pond of Goo, both the episode of Strange New Worlds and also the episode of All Good Things, uh, right? Because Q is stirring this pot of goo, showing Picard the amino acids that are getting closer and closer and closer together, and then they do nothing because Picard has generated the anti-time anomaly that has somehow disrupted the amino acid synthesis, right? But where did those amino acids come from? That's the question that we're asking. It's almost certain that there were amino acids in some kind of gooey substrate on the early Earth that eventually generated life. Okay, but where did the amino acids come from? How can you make them? Well, now we have a really good clue. Through interactions between water, organics, and minerals like clays, in particular saponite, in a hydrothermal system. Okay, so that's me rambling all by myself uh, with very little plan and with no way to edit this document, uh, this audio document, um, because I'm using a borrowed computer. So this is going to be it. That's the story. I will be back as soon as I possibly can with more Strange New Worlds content that I've long since recorded. Um, so just to give you a glimpse of what's going to happen after I get my computer back and <laughs> my software back in my hands, uh, I'm going to produce a podcast featuring Dr. Peter Gao, who visited me here at the University of Washington. And that is going to include splicing in some audio of a digital postcard that Dr. James T. Keene sent me as well, which will deal with a review of the first Short Treks episode called Runaway. That's it. <laughs> Runaway. Um, and then I'm going to take you to the Division for Planetary Sciences meeting um, and tell you what I learned there. You, you already heard um, the day four content for that because I published that early, uh, but days one, two, three, and five are coming your way. And then more content from the University of Washington and, uh, and hopefully some review of Calypso the second Short Treks episode. So you can already see how far behind I am. I've been really busy just moving into Seattle, getting settled, doing research, uh, giving talks, uh, and, 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 and sharing who I am with my new colleagues here. Um, but I'm looking forward to getting back on track for you, Strange New Worlds listeners. Have a very, very, very happy Thanksgiving. Live long and prosper.